0: Three receivers to the right, one to the left. Final play of the first half. Brady with a deep drop. He'll heave up that Hail Mary, hoping it's full of pewter grace. And it is nearly intercepted in the end zone by Harrison Smith. Flag came in. Flag was in the end zone. Harrison Smith just had a ball go right between his arms. Well, yeah, get it. knock this thing down.
1: Defense, number 40. curtain in the end
0: zone. Might rule the ball is placed at the one yard line. Automatic first down.
2: What's up Vikings fans, Chris Corso here joined as always by Ben Lieber at US Bank Stadium and it is a absolutely crushing loss as we were just discussing for the Minnesota Vikings in this game. It seemed like it's a loss that just comes from from the mistakes you make on your own end. Obviously the 10 points left on the board, 4 missed kicks for Dan Bailey in this game. The Vikings... Moving the ball so well to start the game, and it seemed like at the end of every single drive, there was a excruciating sack or penalty or tough thing that happened for the Vikings offense to not finish the drive successfully. So with that, I bring in Ben Lieber, who has been on a few post-game reports already, and I I just feel like you you get all the way back. To six and six on the season, and and you just come up with that kind of performance in this game. It's kind of a microcosm for what happened on the drives throughout the game, in my opinion. What did you think? What's your main takeaway from this loss for the Vikings?
0: Well, you know, just sheer disappointment from you know an offensive standpoint. I mean, imagine imagine running a race and um, you know doing everything you can, exerting all of your energy to win this race, and you get to the finish line and there's, there's, no, there's no reward. There's not, they're not even a drink of water. I mean, they don't even have any water for you, and you're just like, what are we doing here? I mean, the, the game plan, the preparation, the execution for the most part offensively was great. It was as good as you can probably get against that good of a defense. And to walk away after these long drives and have zero points, it, it's, an, it's an exponential dis- uh, feeling of disappointment. know it's not just like ah well that sucks no it's like wow like this this sort of cascades into what how the defense is feeling and it just doesn't bring the offense down It brings the whole team down yeah and um so that that was it for for me offensively and then you know i'm not not one to put a lot of blame on the officials but the officials really really put us behind the eight ball and, and i don't think it was fair um, I think the the crew needs to be evaluated on how they make some of these calls. I do think the the Jeff Gladney, Mike Evans def- defensive pass interference needs to be uh, looked at, and they need to apologize publicly for that. That was seven points. That was an easy seven points that they they allowed them to have. They call a pass interference on Paul Berry, which has been called 2009, and, and on on a non egregious call. A non-egregious action it's one thing if Todd Davis would have pulled Gronk down and tackled him but he didn't there was hand fighting going on yes he he, he face guarded him but it, it's a Hail Mary I mean everybody understands this, this is a different type of play and um they gave him another three uh another three free points on that possession as well so that's 10 points along with the 10 points that Dan Bailey missed that did not go in our favor and that's that to me is the difference in the game
2: Absolutely. I found myself frustrated throughout the game, counting the amount of points that the Vikings left on the board. Obviously, the missed kicks early on, the penalties from the Harrison Smith penalty on a great um, third down stop, the penalty in the end zone on Jeff Gladney, which you, I wanted you to break it down, and you did it just as good as you could have even done without me even having to ask. And then the Hail Mary. I, I jumped up out of my seat on that Hail Mary to end the what, what what seemed like a half where the Vikings' offense was was just in control of time of possession. The running game was as good as you've ever seen against this Tampa Bay Bucs defense since like about a year and a half ago. To have a, a running back have that many yards so early in the game with Dalvin Cook and obviously an early touchdown in this game, but. Yeah, the thing that frustrated me from my end was the amount of times where we left to drive. The very first drive of the game, you're moving the ball down the field and you get sacked on the last play and and you end up with no points. So, uh, like, have you ever seen an offense dominate the way that this offense did and end up with only six points in the first half? No, I I mean, I I really haven't. And on top of that, even when they're put in some bad situations,
0: they were four or five on fourth down. I mean, that's, that's sort of unheard of. Yeah. And the way they converted some of those fourth downs too was just like gut, gutsiness by, by Kirk Cousins to stay in the pocket, know that the, the pocket was collapsing, knowing that he couldn't get out of there and pick up the first down on his own, made a couple really clutch throws and some, and some tough catches by the receivers as well. I mean, there was, there was bits and pieces of just tremendous uh, execution and effort. And, and uh, let's not take anything away from, from Tampa Bay as well. They played the type of game defensively that they, they always want to. And what every defense wants is to have your offense put some points on the board, make make the opposing offense more one-dimensional, and they go out and get after us with six sacks and, uh, and really kind of terrorize us more in the second half. And so... Um, you know, we held our own from, from what we could. We actually probably, and when you look at it, played winning football um on on all sides, and uh, we still didn't walk away
2: with the win. The Buccaneers scored 17 points in that second quarter. I think that was kind of the momentum shifter when the Vikings didn't take a lot of advantages of the opportunities early on in the game. But we were just talking about you play Tom Brady. And that's the talk going in the 6 Super Bowl rings everything that he brings to the table. Obviously, he had a huge uh, a big time long touchdown pass to Scotty Miller that kind of gave them an unexpected 7 to 6 lead early in the game, but do you think Tom Brady was the one that beat the Vikings in this game or like or, or did we beat ourselves cuz I feel like we beat ourselves.
0: No, you're you're 100% right, Chris. I think we beat ourselves and you know, I I would put the you know, the, the long pass, uh, down, down to the end zone that Tom Brady had, that was a great throw. That's a good throw and catch. I mean, Cam, yeah, you could probably say he needs to, he needs to, um, fall back in coverage a little bit more and, and not play so soft underneath. You know, okay, we're, we're going to nitpick a little bit
1: on technique and, and maybe awareness on that, but they got to make plays too. And they did, you know,
0: that Scotty Miller play, that's a terrible awareness by, by Anthony Harris. You know, you're the single high safety. You're the center fielder. You've got to be deeper than the deepest. And you don't, you, you, you're not supposed to just look at just the inside receiver. You have to have awareness of, okay, who's the outside receiver? Oh, by the way, that's Scotty Miller. That's the fastest guy on the field. So why would I take my eyes off of him knowing that he's pretty much, he's pretty limited in his route running? He's pretty much the go ball type of guy. So to me, that was just, I, I hate to be this aggressive with it, but that's dumb football. You're an experienced veteran safety, and you're watching the film, and on the scouting report right away is, hey, Scotty Miller, deep ball guy, lots of speed. That's all you need to know. And and he actually jumped a little bit, you know, came came off his center field perch, came down on the inside part of the field to, to jump Mike Evans, I believe, and then let Scotty Miller go to the top, and it's like, that. you, you can't do that. It's not – Tom Brady has taken advantage of, of our mistakes. Yep. And, you know, hats off to him for completing the ball and the, and the catch and all that stuff. But um,
2: it, it shouldn't have been there because I think he should have played that on that. Before I started with the Vikings in 2015, I am a long-time Jets fan. And the one thing I remember and will always remember about Tom Brady is when you make certain mistakes, whether it's on the offensive side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball, special teams, whatever it is, when those Jets teams who fundamentally worked so hard to get on the level of the New England Patriots, every time you made a mistake, Tom would come back and just... Just stick the knife right in your chest and make it and make it hurt, and that's what that Scotty Miller play really sign. It, it it just brought back my childhood, uh, Ben, and I. It really wasn't fun to relive that this week. <laughs>
0: well, you've done that to a lot of teams. <laughs> you know, I think that's that's where we are, and I think that's that's no surprise. That's kind of what we've always known this team to be early from the start of the season. That. We have zero margin for error. Zero, yeah. When you make that many mistakes in the kicking game, field position game, uh, defensively, giving a, the the deep ball, um, you know that's that's the thing. Like we we're not a good enough team to overcome that stuff, and and that's that's the reality that we have to live in. And um, it reared it's, its ugly head it again today.
2: Now, I want to ask you what you thought about the performance of Kirk Cousins in this game. Um, it seemed like he didn't have the shots down the field like, like he has in the weeks past when he's really been successful. Obviously, a pretty impressive touchdown to to Irv Smith Jr. Um, he had, obviously, some, some big-time throws. One that I remember was the throw to Adam Thielen, which almost he caught it with that one-handed grab again in the end zone. Um, but the six sacks for the Bucks compared to the zero for the Vikings defense. Did did Kirk really, do you think he had a successful game? And can you can you put the blame on the sacks? Or, I don't know, what's your overall takeaway of the day for Kirk Cousins? You know, I thought he played pretty well. I mean, so, some of the sacks weren't his fault. I mean, look at the Anthony Winfield Jr. sack. I mean, he, he completes
0: his play action uh, uh, action in the backfield, um, and all of a sudden he's just getting hit. I mean, that's, that's a blindside hit in which, you got a free rusher and he can't do anything about it. There's a couple times maybe he should have held on the ball a little bit. I mean, I know the first, in the first quarter, I believe, um, there was an opportunity to maybe throw the ball in the back of the end zone up against your own red, and own red zone area. And I believe it was Nelson that came around the corner and, and just stuck his hand out and almost knocked the ball loose. So he had to like sort of regain his, his position and control on the ball. And then by the time he did
1: that, uh, he was getting sacked. And so I think if he had to take it back, I mean, yeah,
0: he would have thrown the ball out of the end zone and just lived to play another down. But yep. I, I just think that there's some circumstances that he couldn't necessarily control. And I thought he was tremendous with his, with his feet, you know, getting out of trouble, recognizing pressure, recognizing the man, the man coverage and just definitively tucking the ball and, and running with it and making some, uh, making some positive gains and picking up first down. So I, I thought he played with a sense of urgency and, um, you
2: know, I thought he played, at least what I in my mind, winning football. Now, the pass protection in this game, I was on record on a few of our shows saying the key to winning this game would be defending and protecting Kirk Cousins from a pass protection standpoint. Obviously, there were some issues in the Vikings' offensive line throughout the game. Brian O'Neill was out for a little bit, Riley Reif, um, but but still... It seemed like the Vikings' offensive line. What do they have to do going forward to protect Cousins? Because obviously he doesn't have—he's not fleet of feet when he runs down the field for about uh, 15 yards and 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 has to slide down it. I don't feel great about those situations. No, you know, it's,
0: it's a little bit of a combination of a lot of things. I mean, sometimes it's they're not picking up the twists. You know, it's a four-man stunt. It's a two-man twist and and they don't pick it up and it's like guys what are you looking at they're not they're not showing blitz with the inside linebackers they're not overloading the side to mess up your count it's a four-man rush and you guys are not communicating and not moving your feet i don't know if it's just um a little bit of uh, mental lapse because they're not facing a pressure and um and they just think that oh we can block five against four and it doesn't happen and then other times it's just a straight speed rush on the outside and our tackles you know, doing their best they can to to buy some time, but when you get decent coverage in the back end as well, he got Kirk's going to hold the ball a little bit, and then he takes a sack. And so, it's um, I would say overall, it's just communication up front. I mean, and I don't I don't know what it's going to take with only three games left in the regular season. I mean, if you can't figure it out now, I'm afraid that it kind of is what it is for the rest of the year.
2: Three games left in the regular season, we fall back below the 500 mark at six and seven. And those Arizona Cardinals who we were ahead of, Going into this week fourteen, they went into New York and smacked the New York Giants at MetLife Stadium, who also needed a win. So now the Vikings are on the outside looking in, like we were for all those weeks battling back to five hundred. Ben, so what do we need to do going forward to make a run at the playoffs? Or are you are you uh, watching other games, other teams, or do you just say we need to win all three of the remaining games going forward?
0: No, you you can't look at you can't look at playoff hunts. You can't look at who's who's in, who's out. You know at this point
2: You didn't do that as a player, you didn't watch other teams? Um so <laughs> when, when I think it really
0: mattered. But this in this situation it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, you you can't you can't afford to stumble anymore. You know, yep. when we talked last week, we're like, Okay, four games left. Technically looking at probability, you could drop one of these four and still get in. Yep. Well, we've dropped the first one and now it's you have to win the next three and you're going to have a great test on Christmas day in, uh, in New Orleans as long as you can take care of Chicago and give yourself a chance. So that could, that could shape up to be an outstanding football game. Um, but you know, you look at the math of it, you know, they win this game, 75% chance they get in. They lose this game now in a 25% chance to get in. you drops your playoff probability by 50% in one game. So yes, is there hope? Sure. It's a glimmer. It's just a little sparkle and that's about it. And um, they can't look ahead. They can't look at anybody else and see what the Cardinals are doing. They, they certainly shouldn't care about what other teams are doing. They have to play Chicago. And that's it.
2: And they have to win. Have to win a big game at home against Chicago before they go on the road for the final two games of the season, Christmas Day in New Orleans and then the Week 17 game in Detroit. Uh, ben, this it's been fun this year going up and down this roller coaster with you. I hope we end up uh, back up instead of down where we are tonight. <laughs>
0: <I> hope <so. laughs> let's, let's hope that uh, next week – Today, um, we will be talking in a much better mood and talk
2: about all the great plays that led to the Rams. We are on to the post-game sound with Cy Amundsen and Gabe Henderson of Vikings.com. I bring in these guys because there is a lot to break down from this Vikings loss and a lot of sound to break down because the head coach spoke right away about the kicker who missed a bunch of kicks in this game. Uh, I, I don't know what to interpret here, but let's take a listen.
1: How do you explain, Mike, the struggles that Dan Bailey had, and is there any plans to possibly replace him as your kicker? Well, I don't know what the struggles were. He missed, pulled one to left and pushed three to the right, and uh, so we'll have to decide that as we move forward.
3: Mike, Mike how much should that play on the, the psyche of your team? Just your offense would drive down, get an opportunity to score, and then your kicker didn't come through.
1: Well, it does, uh, you know, let let a little bit of air out, um, you know, so, uh, you know, you 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 anticipate, uh, you know, guys making those those kicks. You know, the first extra point, you know, we go down and score, we miss the extra point. I'm like, you know, and then uh, I think we miss three more field goals.
2: Mike, when it's something as sensitive as a kicker, where it could be a confidence thing, Because it doesn't look like it's an injury thing. How careful does a coach have to play it in the situation now that it's uh, stretched two games?
1: Yeah, you know, at this point in time, it's it's we're not really worried about feelings anymore. Mike, when you sent him out for the fifty-four yarder, are you thinking, you know, because it's longer that uh, I guess it'd be I really had nothing. I really had no choice, Mark. We got sacked twice and it's third and 20, you know, it's fourth and 20. Um, right. you, you know, I would have went for it on fourth down again if it was reasonable.
2: Mike, you've yeah, been around Dan for a while. Just like what's your confidence that he can respond from something like this or can he?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I'm really disappointed. Uh, you know, I I have a lot of faith in him. I have a lot of confidence in him. But, you know, these last two weeks have not been good. So, um, you know. I love the kid. He's a great kid. He's very even, even natured. Um, you know, I, I don't know.
2: All right, Gabe. I, I mean, I hear it from coach Zimmer there. He's, he's kind of supporting his, his players, but also kind of talking about the, the realistic situation that happened on Sunday, leaving 10 points on the board for the Vikings kicker. One of the worst games uh, for an NFL kicker in the history of this league. If you look at some of the stats that have been thrown out on Twitter. So I I don't want to talk about the kicker. I don't want to talk about if he's going to lose his job or not. What I really want to talk about is when you are moving the ball up and down the field and controlling uh, every statistic from time of possession to running the ball down the best rushing defense's throats in the first quarter of this game, and you only come out with six points in the first half. How deflating is that when you leave points on the board, Gabe, like early in this game?
3: that that's very deflating because you know first and foremost that you can drive down the field and score at will and they can't stop you everything you've heard all week they like that that isn't the team that you heard of all week and then when you don't go down there and put up points it's like oh man like we're giving opportunities to uh tampa bay and tom brady to put up points and you know if we if we don't capitalize on this like it, it can get ugly and that's it pretty much got got that way at a certain point before we started clawing back but it, it, you get to that point where it's just like, hey, we, we got to start scoring points here because if you don't score points, you can you can see things starting to take shake. I mean, you start start losing confidence. I mean, you start seeing, you know, mental errors. I mean, the, 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 the margin of error gets a lot smaller when you can't score because you're overthinking things at this point. I mean, Tampa Bay's defense wasn't they weren't the best red zone defense. They were 19th in the NFL when it comes to red zone defense. So there were opportunities to score. Uh, we just didn't make the most of it. And I think it's just one of those things. You just go back to the film and see what you did wrong and try to try to correct it for next week.
2: Sai, you hear these players say that we can control what we can't control and you can't get upset about certain things like missed calls and kickers and this and that. What is your mindset as a, as a passionate, passionate Vikings fan? What is your mindset when you start to see points being taken off the board um, by mistakes that are clearly just on your your team?
4: Yeah, I think you need to remember that athletes are human beings and human beings have guttural reactions to actions. And so no matter how well a team rallies and how well I coached basketball for years, when something deflating happens, you have a deflated response. It's how you then respond to that response that that that's how teams persevere that's how teams grow so i promise you everybody out on that field today as kicks were being missed and mistakes were being were being made Uh, There was some disappointment. There was some deflation. uh, But the true measure of a team is from week to week, from minute to minute inside of games, how do you react and respond to those moments? I I thought the really tough thing today, you know, everybody's really focusing on the kicks. But I want to focus on kind of the, the kicks and because you played this wonderful first half where at one point you had... 12-plus minutes of time of possession. They are three. You're gouging the best running running defense in the league. You got down, you scored. Yes, you missed that extra point, kind of deflating, but you're coming down the field again. And if you would have finished and executed that drive, even with that first miss kick, you're up 13. So to not execute the drive and, and, and punch it in the end zone, something this team has been very good at, at this entire year. That was deflating moment number one. Then to miss that kick is an even more deflating moment. And then for it to go down the other way and have them put points on the board and now be ahead, that's just such a catastrophic swing. To this team's credit, they continued to respond despite the mistakes throughout the game and, and, and seemingly had a version of a chance at the end of the football game. But yeah, I, it wasn't just the kick. It was There was just that that, uh, that train of incidents there from, from not executing in the red zone to a missed kick to the other team scoring. And, and those things aren't unusual in a football game. But I think, like you said, when you pile them one on top another and you put them right after a missed extra point and right before uh, a, uh, a Hail Mary at the end of the half that I know no one's happy about, that, that becomes a lot more challenging.
2: Yeah, and it clearly started on the first drive of the game where a a big talking point heading into this game was how would the Vikings come out? They've played three games in a row at home. They're now on the road for the first time in a long time. Kirk Cousins is in his warm weather game for the first time in a long time, and they move the ball all the way down the field, running the ball, short passes, Kirk Cousins, and what happens when they get down there? Kirk takes a sack. They're out of field goal range. You get no points on the first drive. And as you covered, Si, it continued to snowball from there. But let's hear from the Vikings quarterback, who had a pretty solid game, but it seemed like when they needed it most, they didn't get it done.
5: You know, frustrating loss today. Uh, Always disappointing when you lose. Um, You know, I, I was proud of the way our offense came out early and ran the ball well against the number one defense statistically in the league going to the game. I was proud of the way we ran the ball and really ran it all the way throughout the game. Um, you know, I thought our, our running backs, our tight ends, our offensive line, the depth that was showing up and helping us, uh, was outstanding. The effort they gave all game long. Um, you know, I think of Irv and him, him playing through it, uh, Conklin stepping up, uh, Mike Boone and Amir Abdullah doing a great job when they got opportunities. Um, you know, I thought we, we moved the ball well, much of the game, um, you know, had, had strong drives, but, uh, uh, didn't, you know, turn into points a couple of times, uh, uh, in the red zone. And when we were in field goal range, we, you know, a sack took us out of field goal range. And, um, and so the, you know, the endings of some of those drives were, uh, were what upset, upset us. And, um, um, you know, overall it was just, you know, a game we didn't, we didn't win, didn't make enough plays. And, um, Now we got to move on. And obviously the the last three weeks become critical as, as every week is, but uh, you know, we don't have a lot of room for error now. All right. Well, Kirk kind of said at the end of the drives, when it mattered, most
2: things seemed to break down, whether it was the Vikings offensive line, whether it was Kirk cousins, not getting rid of the ball quick enough. It seemed like in the big moments, third down, the Vikings were five for 15 in this game, but I, I, it, it frustrates me because I watched this team and, and the way they came out strong in this game, the way that they put together these long drives, time of possession drives, at the end of drives, it all went to, to it just didn't finish the way it started. So I want to ask you, Cy, because you, you, you do a good job of breaking these things down. What goes wrong at the end of these drives for the Vikings where they can't put up seven instead of, instead of Dan Bailey coming out there?
4: First, I think it's important to understand that this has been a very good red zone offense all year long. I mean, they, they, one of the best red zone offenses in the NFL. And then I think the other thing that you need to understand is this is a good football team that we were playing with a hell of a defense. Now I'm not going to sit here and make excuses, but we what have we always said with Zimmer? You, you know, he's such a great coach at, at, he schemes well but he also shortens the field when we get into tough situations you get into the red zone he can really shorten up the field and make it difficult to punch it in the end zone this was a very very good defense and it's it's not surprising to me that when you got into red zone situations and third down situations that they stepped up to the plate so I, I'm not going to go screaming for the hills after this game as though there was something that went uh, horribly wrong or there's some trend of of you know failures in third down and red zone situations because i think the truth is a couple things could have gone the other i just talked about it in the last answer if they would have executed on that first drive punched up 13-0 you, we wouldn't even be having this conversation cuz that this game was unfolding exactly the way mike zimmer wants games to unfold so I think unfortunately it was a combination of some execution issues and a defense that's really, really good. They're the number one rushing defense in the league. They have a stout front seven, they get after the quarterback. Their Todd Bowles is a hell of a football coach. So, uh, that might not be the answer you want, that they get paid too. Uh, But I I think it was just one of those situations where they came to play in important moments and we couldn't out-execute
3: them. Yeah, Todd Todd Bowles is one of the greatest defensive minds in this game. And when it came to to crunch time, like he he made the, the calls that you wanted him to make. I mean, certain blitzes. You saw Antoine Winfield in there. He was blitzing um like on you know first or second down like you know you don't see many defenses doing safety blitzes on first down and he he knows what he has in this defense but I I, I really think the, the the red zone really came down to some of the, this decision making I'm pretty sure Kirk will probably be the first person to say hey I probably shouldn't have took some of those sacks in the red zone Kirk four of his six sacks came in the red zone today and uh, Pete Burson said it a lot he said well, hey when you're in the red zone it's okay to throw it between the between the field goal posts like they won't throw a flag on you there it's it's okay to be decisive if you you don't see anybody open hey throw throw it through the field goal post or throw it out the back of the end zone I mean you got guy I mean they did a really good job of containing Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson like that that's that's when the when
4: the field got short when the field field got got short when short, when the field got short they got they did a really good job of containing those two
3: Yep, and you saw Tyler Conklin making big catches. you forced Kirk Cousins to go to his second and third options. Damn, C.J. Ham had three catches for twenty-two yards today. Like, it just I mean, like you said, side so those guys get paid too, but Kirk Cousins at the same time. I'm like I said, I'm pretty sure he'll be the first person to say it. He could have probably been a little bit more decisive in the red zone and and not took sacks or you know lost field position. So. I mean, hats off to them, but, you know, there are some things we got to correct, too. But, you know, it's football. You live and you learn and you move on.
2: One thing that succeeded for the Vikings was the running game early. As we touched on, Dalvin Cook has over 100 yards against this defense for the first time in about a year and a half um, since the Seattle Seahawks did it against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So let's hear Dalvin after the game.
3: Dalvin, how deflating was it to not be able to get those field goals when you guys would get in position to score and then the three – Miss kicks and the extra point.
6: Yeah, it's always just important not to get those points. Um, you know, but sometimes that's part of the game. You know, sometimes stuff don't go your way. Sometimes, you know, things don't always, you know, go how you wanted to go. But I'm just proud of the guys, how they keep, kept fighting, you know, gave us a chance at the end to get back in it kind of sort of. And, you know, it just didn't go our way today.
1: Howdy. I'll follow up just with a playoff question. I mean, you think you guys... Need to pretty much win out now if you're to make the playoffs or how would you assess it?
6: I don't know how I go. I don't I don't. I don't know. Uh, I, I just, I don't know, Chris. I'm not, I just show up and play. Uh, I let the the people that's supposed to, you know, put us in the playoffs or whatever, we just got to win games. We got to, I think we got three more left. We got to win these games and you know, leave it up to whoever made the choices to put us in, put us in. So I think if we just win these games and leave it up to whoever it is, I think you know, that's what we got to do.
2: The Vikings, unfortunately, fall out of their playoff position with this loss today. And, and Gabe, it's, it's super frustrating to me because we, we claw and jaw and, and do everything we can to get back to 500 at 6-6, six and six, even with a tough loss to the Dallas Cowboys um, at home, which, which that one killed me as well. Um, this one kills me even more because of the fact that I thought the offense looked really good at points in this game. I thought the defense looked really good at points in this game. And I feel like um, the Vikings really shot themselves on the foot um, from a whole team perspective um, with some of these mistakes that we've been covering week in and week out. So you heard it there from Dalvin cook, who says, we just need to win these last three games, put our heads down, do what we need to do, control our own destiny. Uh, do you, do you think the Vikings, like what do you think they need to do in these last three games to finish out strong in what is to be what has been a roller coaster season to say the least
3: i think the same thing we've probably been saying the past two or three weeks just play a clean football game like if the vikings play a clean football game you know no turnovers maybe win the turnover margin um like today they won time of possession but they didn't win the turnover margin if if you do that or if you you know or positive on first and second down. I I think if you just play a clean football game, no holdings, no penalties, just solid football, I I really think you put yourself in a position to win these last three games. I mean, that New Orleans Saints game is going to probably be the toughest one. But I I think starting with the Bears, you you use this game as confidence. We, We know that, you know, Mitchell Trubisky is back. He's gaining confidence. But at the same time, this still is a Bears team that's still trying to find themselves. So what a better chance, your last home game of the season, um, all the chips on the line you're facing the division opponent just just play clean let's let's not overthink this thing I mean people are already counting this out so let's just control what we can control and just do our job everybody do their 111th we hear everybody talking about that do your 111th and everybody does that I think you you give yourselves a good chance to be successful these past three games these next three games
4: yeah, I think Gabe's absolutely right. You got to do your job. You can't worry about anybody else. If you do your job and you win these three football games and, and you don't get into the playoffs, well, then you, you look back and, and you're able to look at the, the the way the season went and you can understand what you could have done to have gotten yourself in, but you don't want to be relying on anybody else or paying attention to anyone else. You just want to focus on yourself. One thing, Chris, you and I talk about a lot uh, off this show is I want the Vikings to be successful this year. I, I, I want a playoff run. I, you know, I'm I, I'm a fan, so I get in that mindset of of go as far as you can every single season. But I also, uh, this season, I've really been in the mindset of where we're going in the future. And it's hard not to be in that mindset with all this youth. I mean, again, today, you played Tom Brady and a whole gaggle of really impressive weapons without Eric Kendricks, without Anthony Barr, without Michael Pierce, without out uh, Daniil Hunter I mean so so we and then we saw offensive guys uh, you know young Irv Smith stepping up so you have it reminds me of the San Francisco 49ers a few years ago they made the Jimmy Garoppolo trade they were not a very good football team and over the last four games they went on this run where Jimmy was playing well and the offense was clicking and they looked good as a football team and I I hope we get into the playoffs and make a hell of a run But what I'm really what I'm really looking for and the only thing that you can really control is I want to see three great football games to end the season. I want to see three really well executed football games that are something that you can build upon and look forward with regardless of where this season ends, because there is such an incredible level of talented youth on this team. I think because there were so many expectations walking into this year and then it was such a disastrous start and then such a climb back into relevance. I think it's almost been, even though we talk about it a lot, I think it's almost lost on everybody the shocking amount of youth talent. I've got friends all over this league who are and f- friends who are fans of teams all over this league. This level of of youth talent does not exist in very many places in the NFL. So you have three games here to not only give yourself a chance to be in the mix for a playoff game, but you have three games to put a punctuation mark on a season that its entire hallmark has been a youth movement and youth growth. Let's see all those things come together and really trend the right way. So regardless of what happens, the entire organization is stepping in the right direction. And that's not me belittling a playoff desire. It's just me understanding that there's, you know, there's a lot here for Vikings fans in this organization to look forward with. So just go out. And for three games, let's play the best damn football possible.
2: So that's a really good point because you have – you keep seeing the graphics on the screen throughout the games of, of the amount of rookies of the 15 draft picks that are starting, that are putting up statistics. Obviously, you have the Justin Jefferson on the offensive side of the ball, but the things that are happening. I, and,
4: and, 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 and Chris, I worked at sports Center for a couple of years, and we covered all these teams. And, and, and here's – it in the NFL – rookies are stepping up all over the place, but there's two types of rookies. There's rookies who step into a spot that's a place of need for a team, and they play well, and then you look back two, three years later, and you realize, well, that was kind of their ceiling. They they, they aren't going to progress into these type of star players or upper echelon players in the league, and then there's guys who grab spots as rookies, and they're just on a rocket ship, and and we've seen that here where, you know, we've had rookies who you're like, oh, he's playing pretty well, and a few years, Pat Elf line is a great example. I loved Pat Alfline. He's an awesome guy. He came in, he had a hell of a first season as a center and unfortunately things didn't quite work out and he didn't maintain that trajectory what we have on this football team right now in my opinion is we have a lot of guys who are on rocket ships you have an Irv Smith a Justin Jefferson you know you have you have young linebackers you have young cornerbacks you have DJ Wanham you have a lot of players that I don't think are the hey they're just getting a chance to play so they're throwing some numbers up because they're a body out there I think they're guys that 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 have the ability to, to hop onto this upward trajectory that we might look back at, at this draft class and this group of youngsters uh, in, in a couple years. While we're, you know, I'm going to be dramatic here, especially coming off a loss, but while we're standing next to something shiny.
2: One of those guys is Jeff Gladney, who we've talked about it on all of our shows. Coach Mike Zimmer normally does not play his first round draft pick cornerbacks for all of the defensive snaps of every single game well that's what Jeff Gladney has done this entire season since only playing nine snaps in week one against the Green Bay Packers so let's hear Gladney talk about some of the key moments in that second quarter where 17 points were scored by the Buccaneers offense.
1: Jeff what changed there you guys had them fairly well contained Through the first quarter and into the second quarter, what sort of change to swing things Tampa's way?
6: Um, You know, just um, plays out there that we got to make. You know, that's basically it.
2: Jeff, can you take us through the pass interference slash interception, what you felt uh, on that play? You know, thought
6: it was a clean play, but we control what we can control and just got things like that are going to happen in the game. So just got to let it go.
2: Jeff, just how tough were those two penalties in the first half to overcome um, the Harrison Smith penalty, and then also, obviously, the hail mary that got called for DPI?
6: I mean, you know, um, big plays in the game change things, but um, like I said, things like that are going to happen in the game. Control—we control what we can control. So, just got to play through it.
2: It is hard, though, when it changes the momentum of the game, isn't it? How hard is it to kind of keep your your composure and, and not let that get to you? I mean,
6: that just comes with the game of football. That's what, yeah. You know, the re- rely on your teammates. We know we got each other's back. We can make it through anything together, so.
3: You kind of look at this loss as a, a big opportunity loss. <laughs> It it was right out there for you, and you guys uh, were not able to grab it.
6: I mean, yeah, but still, a lot of good from the game. We can play with anybody. It's just you got to make you know comes down to four or five plays a game that if we make, we can we change the game. So So just got to keep attacking.
2: Jeff, how hard is it as a a teammate to watch Dan not only miss that? Extra point, but then three more field goal attempts after that. How hard is it to, to just watch?
6: I mean, it hurts the team just like it hurts him, you know. And um Dan's a good player. He's gonna he's gonna make it, he's gonna push through, you know. He's gonna come out and make four next week. So
2: well, you heard it there from Jeff Gladney. He there's not much that he can say when it comes to that play against Mike Evans that played a big role in this game, the pass interference that set up the Buccaneers for that second touchdown. And then obviously the Hail Mary play um, with that pass interference that was called on Rob Gronkowski, the first penalty on a Hail Mary since 2009, according to ESPN stats and info. So, so I, I really want to talk about what Gladney said there because he constantly said, we need to control what we can control. Obviously, he doesn't want to get fined or get in trouble for any of his comments. But I just want to get your perspective on the calls that were made consecutively in that second quarter. And and do you think that really changed the momentum of this game?
4: Uh, I mean, you're going to get a little bit of the coach in me coming out right now. I, I mean... It, penalties are a variable that you can't control some some games they're going to benefit you some games they're going to benefit the other team and some games they're going to be right down the middle and i i personally if i i learned really early on that if i start putting emotional weight into something like that that i can't control it's going to drive me absolutely bonkers and and i do think that's how a lot of players i mean i don't get me wrong you you put me on the on the basketball court or on the field as a player and i feel like i got fouled or i didn't get a call i am going to turn into the biggest diva you've ever met in your life but 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 the coach in me you know the coach brain in me understands how you just can't put your mental weight into something you can't control when you're a part of a game that has so many things that need to be attempted to be controlled. It's just a pointless effort. And and I think that's what Gladney's getting to, you know, he can focus on what he does well. He can focus on what he needs to do better. The moment he puts his energy on, on what a ref is doing, it's, it's wasted time and energy. The one thing I will say And this is – I keep referencing basketball on our football podcast here. But the the number one thing I used to tell kids is if it looks like a foul, they're going to call a foul. These people – these are – incredible athletes moving at high speeds and refs are having to make split second decisions. And, you know, in football, there's not a review process for judgment calls. So it's a really difficult situation. And I'm like a lot of people, I'm not super thrilled about that hail Mary. I will also say I can understand how that ref sitting in the, in the back of the end zone. It looked like he got his arm pulled. Now, do you see that sort of contact all the time in those games? Do I think that should have been a pass interference? No, but, like, I, I get it, you know. So I, I'm just not going to waste my energy diving into these things. I, I want to waste my energy if I'm a coach or a player on, on the things that I can control. And and sometimes you hear Gladney or coaches say stuff like that you know or, or people around the league say stuff like that and you're like well they don't really believe that but I, I think a lot of time they do because you know uh, imagine you can only put so much mental effort into something you're not in control of
3: I don't I, I'm not on the the side of the other of fence basically saying you should challenge uh, pass interference calls like you could do last year but at the same time like I I think you can, you can always question which which person calls the flag, right? It's kind of like basketball. You know, if if you know if the guy at half court is calling a foul under the goal, it's like, dude, like, really? But it, it, it does go back to controlling what, what you can control. Um, I mean, that's what the refs call. That's what we have to live with. Um, I think you it's one of those things where you go back to practice, and I think if you're, you know, Durante Jones, you're like, hey, Jeff, when, when the guy's coming here, I mean, when Mike Evans is, you know, he's trying to box you out in the goal line, maybe you go around him or maybe you let him catch it and then go behind him and swat the ball out. I mean, there's always a, another another way to um, to teach that moment. I mean, it's a coaching moment for a rookie and Jeff Gladney. I mean, it's a coaching moment. You live, you you understand what happened. You try to fix it going forward, and, and that's pretty much all you can do. But I, I think a lot of these calls were, you know, self-inflicted penalties. I mean, whenever you have – you give up 71 yards in penalties, I, I, I don't think that's a – a good recipe for success if you want to win a game
4: that's all i'm kind of saying and i i I, you know you can't if you'd have punched in that touchdown early and i think that's what people lean on like you want to be the sort of team that is furious about a couple of calls and also walking away with a w you know you're gonna get stuff that doesn't go your way and and it's kind of that, you know, parenting mentality where you tell a kid like, hey, someday you're going to need to persevere on an important day when you, you know, so like what happens when you're in the NFC championship and that call happens? What happens when you're in the Super Bowl? So moments like these and and things like this happening, go back to that Saints, you know, the the thing that put that pass interference call, the, the reviewable aspect into like, that stuff happens, and it sucks, and it's terrible, and it's tough if you're a fan. But you got to do what you can do and control what you can control.
3: It only sucks when it when it happens to the team that you're cheering for. Like if it was the other way around, I think we'd oh. all
4: really be happy right now. <laughs> If if this was called if this was called let's let Sai be a fan podcast I would have uh, I would have uh, unloaded uh, my opinions and then just thrown my computer in a river but it's it's you know you got you got to be level you can't you can't live and die on those things I, the, the the tough reality is things like that you know you heard one of the things you heard Coach Zimmer say after in his presser was that. Uh, he, he, somebody asked him what explanation he got for that bizarre call. And he said, I don't know. I just know that two calls change the complexion of the game. And that's, that's a frustrating thing. And I think fans and coaches feel that, but the thing I've always appreciated about Mike Zimmer is he's honest. He'll he'll, he wears his heart on his sleeve. And at the end of the day, he, he's the sort of dude who focuses on what he and his players can do to control and win a football game
2: and he definitely stands up for his players and anyone in his realm when he feels like something gets in their way and that's kind of what you heard from him in the post game in in his post game press conference but let's move forward to the by the numbers segment we're starting out with the number 26 which is a very high number for what I think we're about to talk about Gabe
3: yeah and 26 isn't the the number of points that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers scored it's the actual number of it's it's the actual the point swing off of missed field goals today so we're talking about we missed 10 points basically off of missed field goals and then the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers got 16 points off off of that so when the margin of error error is so small I think you have to capitalize on whatever chance you can get especially in this league especially against a good team and we saw that I mean the, the Buccaneers only had one scoring drive today. Like we, we talk about momentum and those missed field goals were a huge swing of momentum, 20, 26 points right there. I mean, that's, we, we can't have that if we, if we want to continue to, you know, win these, these big games and win these last three games. But at the same time, I, I think you look at it and say, Hey, you know, we are a pretty good team. Like it, it, it took, it took them scoring those points off of, you know, our mistakes. It, it, we can control our own destiny if we don't make these mistakes. So I think, you know, while you look at this number and it says, Hey, well, dang, that's 26, 26 points right there. I think you look at it and say, Hey, we can, we can control our own destiny. If we take care of uh, what we need to do.
4: That's the way I take it too, Gabe. And I'm sure somebody's going to send me a tweet about being a Homer, but I, you know, I, I'm disappointed in the loss, but I, I, that's one of the first things I said, it took 26 points off of, you know, missed field goals to beat this young upstart team, it took a team that has the number one rushing defense and it took a team that has Gronk and Brown and it took it and Tom Brady that it took that team, this very bizarre situation to beat our football team. So uh, nobody likes moral victories. Nobody likes finding a positive and a negative, but uh, it's not going to stop me from going. The next number is 39.
3: Yeah, I think we all know what this number stands for, the time of possession. It Basically, I think looking at this number against this number one run defense who basically get teams off the field fast, I think it shows that, hey, this offense can make plays. Like this offense can, you know, sustain drives. Now it just gets to the point of, you know, the last number of 26, can we execute off of these long drives? I mean, coming into this game, Um, my, my big thing, my one key to my first key to success was sustaining drives and scoring points when you get the chance. And we sustained those drives and we just couldn't do number two. And I think when you look at that number 39, if you're Gary Kubiak, you, you basically are telling yourself like, Hey, we can compete with these big time teams or these, you know, I mean, going into, you know, the Chicago bears game or the new Orleans saints, who's the number two run defense. It's like, Hey, we can, you know, we can do what we need to do. We just have to not, not beat ourselves. Of course. So we talked earlier in the week, it's, you asked me, um, you know, playing against a number one run defense, do you just abandon the run? I think today showed you that, hey, we can play against a number one run defense and still do what we want to do. And this 30 the number 39 shows that we can still control our own destiny. We can still run the plays we want to run. We don't have to get too far away from our identity. Yeah, we didn't get the ball to Justin Jefferson and Adam Dillon as much, but you're not going to just take us out of this ball game by, you know, being the number one run defense on paper or having all these guys having the, you know, one of the best front sevens in the league. I think it showed our tenacity and our fight to be able to stay on the field and give our defense a rest.
4: It's been a really weird time of possession year. You know, you had that that un, unbelievable start in the Packers and the Colts game. And then I saw a statistic that, you know, somebody can, somebody can write me and be mad at me if I blow this. But I think the Vikings – The Vikings twice this year have had 39 minutes of possession or more in a football game and lost. That's happened twice. The rest of the NFL that has happened zero times. There is not another team in the NFL who's had a 39 minute or more time of possession win and then gone on to lose the game. So this might go down as one of the most oddly bizarre stories of time of possession, Uh, a team Ever has in NFL history. It's been it's been incredibly strange,
3: and I, and I think you're okay with that, though. It's you know you want to win games and you want to have time of possession, but I think certain things like this, like anomalies like this, where you know we're the only team with almost 40 minutes of time of possession and we lose, and other teams, it's, you know, it's just you you take it. You do. It's just one of those things you just take it and say, all right, what did we do or what did we well, not? Do? What?
4: Well, I'm a big regression guy from season to season when I'm breaking down teams and trying to pick where I think people are going to end up. I look at the things that are most likely to not repeat themselves in the exact same way. A couple of years ago, when the Bears had that all-time defensive year where their turnover margin was incredible and Trubisky was playing well, I, I was like, there's no, this is gonna regress. They're not gonna score on defense. They are not gonna turn the ball over like this, and they're not gonna make it this easy for Mitch Trubisky. And sure enough, that happens. I think you know, not to, again, talk about the future and other seasons, but if the Minnesota Vikings next year have multiple games of almost 40-plus time and they lose those games, I would be shocked. So I'm with you. I, I think there's regression on something like this, and you know as things even out it's just it's just another indicator of a thing I said on maybe Chris the first or second one of these we ever did which was early in the season I was like this isn't who this football team is this like those the Colts and Packers game that wasn't who this football team was I mean you are who you are in the NFL but I I just think everything's building and everything's brewing despite the mistakes that I Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this team progresses and grows through these last three games and beyond.
3: And I think like the the number 39, it basically says that you didn't, you didn't get too far away from who you were as a team. Like we know we like to run the ball. I think, you know, if if Gary Kubiak can have it his own way, 30 to 35 minutes would be, I well 35 minutes would be ideal for this offense to have the ball. I mean, how many times we run the ball a game, like 39 is okay. It's just like you said. I mean, if, Next year, we're averaging, you know, 30 or 28 minutes time for possession and we win games. You can live with that,
2: too. So it is what it is. The last number is the smallest number. Number four, Gabe.
3: Yeah. Number four is four out of five on fourth down today for the Vikings. I, I think that really shows, you know, you never really want to get into fourth down or, you know, trying to convert, convert fourth downs. But I think that showed the fight of this team and not giving up when, you know, your backs were against the wall. We man, we were in I mean, we, we were in fourth down probably twice on that last drive of the game. Like, I, I think that, that that showed our fight. You know, Justin Jefferson, two big catches. You know, um, Tyler Conklin with the big catch on fourth down. I mean, that just showed that this team wasn't going to give up. Yeah, we were, you know, the points did, didn't show that, you know, we were in the game. But at the same time, I, I just love how these guys fought. And I, so I said it earlier, I'm not a big guy on moral victories. But if you look at this young team and you see, you know what they did on fourth down and how they continued to fight to try to be in this game through everything that happened, all the missed field goals, the penalties, and they still fought and didn't, and didn't back down to this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. Hats off to those guys. I think, I think that's one thing as a head coach you look at and say, hey, yeah, we lost, but did our guys give up? And if, you, if the answer to that question is no, I think you're happy as a head coach because you can keep building on that and you can look forward to your future of winning these close games.
2: I agree, Gabe. And you and you heard it from a Jeff Gladney. You heard it from a Dalvin Cook. I think throughout this game, the Vikings continued to battle 76 offensive plays in a game with 3903 of time of possession, which you covered in your number earlier. I think they kept on fighting. I love seeing an Irv Smith score a late touchdown, um, but obviously it wasn't enough against the veteran in Tom Brady and a defense in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that is one of the best in the NFL. So let's see what happens here. There are three games left in the season. As Kirk Cousins says, the last three games will write the story for the Vikings' playoff chances for Cy Amundsen, Ben Lieber, and Gabe Henderson of Vikings.com. This is Chris Corso, and hopefully we see you next week after a win against the Chicago Bears.